Happy Mother's Day to all mothers, aunts, grandmoms, teachers. Anyone who has had an impact in a child's life, uh, we celebrate you today and we want to say thank you. And uh, to my wife in Quakertown, Happy Mother's Day. You are an amazing mom and I am grateful for you. And so we are continuing in a series that we're calling Christianity Illustrated. Christianity Illustrated, and what we're doing is we're taking a look at the parables of Jesus. Jesus was an amazing man. He was a fully God, fully man. He did all these amazing stuff. He healed people. He taught people. He did all of these things, but he also told stories. He was an amazing storyteller, and these stories that Jesus told are called parables. They're not fables. They're not myths. They're not allegories, they're parables. They're stories that are similar to life, true to life stories that Jesus used to create a picture of what we should be living out as followers of Jesus, as Christians. And so it illustrates Christianity. And so what they do is they give us the lens through which we view our world. And so what happens in parables is that sometimes they give us a window to look through and see how life is supposed to be the way that God intended. But they also give us a mirror to look at and see where we line up in regards to the way this life is that God intended. And so we're going to be looking at a new parable uh, today. Uh, we're going to be looking from the book of Luke, chapter 18. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, there's different ways for you to follow along. We'll have the verses on the screens up front. Uh, you can take out your phone or your tablet and go to the Bible app or the Bible Gateway app. Both are great apps for reading the Bible. Or you can use one of the Bibles we have here at Calvary. Uh, if you don't own a Bible, we want you to keep this Bible. It's yours. It's free. It's our gift to you. We believe that the Bible is filled with life-changing truth. And we want you to have access to that truth. And so if you don't have one, take it home. It's our gift to you. If you've never opened it up or you just kind of want to figure out how to read a Bible, give us a call. We'd love to do that with you. But we're going to be reading from Luke 18, verse 1. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? 
So when Charles kind of started this series a few weeks back, he talked about a book that he was reading. It's simply called The Parables of Jesus. It was a book by James Montgomery Boyce. And when you read the book, you'll see that Montgomery Boyce, he takes the parables and he puts them into different categories. There's, there's parables of the kingdom, parables of salvation, and so on and so forth. And this parable he puts in under the parables about Christian living. And what he's doing is he's saying that this parable is specifically about how we are to live our lives as followers of Jesus. And when, he look, when you get to the chapter where he looks at this particular parable, he says that this parable is about not giving up. Not giving up. And he's got it right. I mean, it, it, it actually says it in the Bible in verse 1. If you, look at, if you look at verse 1 of chapter 18, it says, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. We have the explanation for the parable right up front. And that's kind of rare. We don't get that often. And so the whole point of this parable, the whole point of why Jesus is teaching this parable is this. So that we will always pray and not give up. The whole point. So that we will always pray, not give up. Okay, we're done. You can go home, and happy Mother's Day. Well, no, because here's the deal. I want you to know that by the time this message is done, I'm going to tell you the same exact thing. I'm going to tell you the point of this parable is to always pray and never give up. But... I'm hoping that as we look at this parable, we'll actually understand what that means. Because if we would look at this parable, and we look at, okay, the meaning is to always pray, never give up. The question is, never give up doing what? What, what are we to be persistent about? What is the whole point of being persistent? What is the whole point of, of, of this never giving up? And in order to do that, we need to, to kind of peel back some of the layers and look at this parable again. And, and again, remember we said that parables sometimes provide a window to look through so that we can see the life that God intended. And sometimes they provide a mirror that we can look at to see where we fit in with this life that God intended. And so we need to peel back the layers of this parable and look at it in three different directions in order to understand it. And the first way that we need to look, when we look at this parable, the first way we need to look is we need to look inward. We need to look inward. We need to look at our own hearts. And we need to look at the heart of the widow. And we need to be able to look at ourselves and look at that heart and see what we need to learn. So in order to do that, let's just kind of look at the widow. What is the widow like? What is the description of the widow? Well, according to the unjust judge, the widow is a big pain in the neck. Why? Because she doesn't give up. She keeps coming with her request over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And I, and I, I read that and I was like, man, this reminds me of something. I, and I kept trying to figure it out. I'm like, this reminds me of just someone coming to you over and over and over and over and over again. 
no matter what, with the same request over and over. And I was like, this reminds me of someone. That's right, it reminds me of my son, Noah. Noah. That's what Noah does. And then the latest season of his life of what he did this for was in regards to Marvel's Avengers Endgame. All right, real quick, before we go any further, there are no spoilers in what I'm about to say. Don't get nervous. This is about Noah, not about the movie. He wanted to see Marvel's Avengers Endgame. So a few months back, he's like, Dad, I really want to see Endgame. Really want to see it. Can I see Endgame? Can I see it? One problem. He had seen none of the movies prior to Endgame. Kind of important. And so his whole plan was he was going to watch all of the movies in the months leading up to Endgame so that he would be caught up and he could be part of this worldwide phenomena, this event. He was going to be a part of this. And so my wife and I talked to him like, okay, here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to capitalize on this. We're going to tell him, okay, but you can earn the movies as you bring your grades up and you start doing your homework. It's a great plan. It's wonderful. It didn't work at all. But <laughs> he tried at first. He, he earned some things. And then, you know, what happened was is that we got kind of lenient with him, okay? We kind of, you know, bent the rules a little bit and let him watch. Well, I got kind of lenient with him. <laughs> and I bent the rules a little bit and I let him watch some movies. And he really had, and then it got to the point where he just hadn't picked up his grades and he wasn't doing his homework and all that. And he got to the last movie, Ant-Man and the Wasp, and then it was Captain Marvel and then Avengers. And he got to the movie and he's like, can I watch it? I'm like, no. I put my foot down. No, no, you haven't brought your grades up. You got to be patient. You got to do this first. No, dad, please, please. I need to watch this. No. Five minutes later, please, dad, I need to watch this movie. No. I'll tell you what, dad, here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do, Dad. You let me watch 20 minutes and then stop. And then I'm going to be motivated to do my homework because the next day I can't watch the next 20 minutes until that's how you. No, we're not doing that. I'll tell you what. Here's what we'll do. Here's what we'll do, Dad. You let me watch the movie today, the whole movie, and I won't watch any TV for the rest of my life. No, we're not doing that. Please, Dad, you don't understand. Everyone in the world has seen, I'm pretty certain that's not true. Everyone in the world has seen this already. Please, Dad, no, no. So he ended up watching Ant-Man and the Wasp. And then, <laughs> then it was time for Captain Marvel, but this time we have to go to the movies for him to see that. He's like, Dad, can we go? And I'm like, you got money? No, I don't have money. You have money. Well, you're wrong there. But he's like, please, can we see Captain Marvel? No, you haven't got your grades up. All my friends have watched it. They're going to spoil it. They're going to tell me, I'm never going to be able to watch Endgame. I'm never going to be able to watch Endgame. So finally, you know, here's the deal, guys. At some point, you just have to be that loving father. <laughs> right? You just have to be that loving father and show your son grace. Because he kept coming to me, and honestly, I wanted him to leave me alone. <laughs> so I did the right thing. I went to my wife. I was like, look, he's not stopping. He's not stopping. So here's what we're going to do. You're taking him to the movies. <laughs> Noah is a great illustration of the widow in the parable, right? 
a great picture over and over and over again until she got her request, just like Noah. He's a great illustration of what happens in the parable. He's a horrible application for this parable. Horrible application. Perfect picture, perfect illustration, completely opposite of what the application should be. This parable is not about wearing God down with request until he throws his hands up in the air and says, all right, enough. Here, you get what you you want. That's not what this parable is about. It's just not. And in order to avoid that incorrect conclusion, we need to kind of look at the widow again just a little bit more and understand who she is. Because if we're going to look at our heart and look at the heart of the widow and look at our heart of persistence and say, we need that persistent heart, we also need to see what else is in that heart. And what we need to understand is that this widow is powerless. Is powerless. You have to put yourself in the seat of the one who was hearing this story during the time of Jesus. The widow was a woman. And while this story could have happened and did happen in Jesus' time, it was not common. Because a woman did not have the same rights as we did, as we have today. And so for the most part, a woman would not go before a judge. A man would go before the judge for her. It would be an advocate. It would be a friend. It would be a family member. It would be someone she hired. That's who would go before the judge. When we see that the woman is in front of the judge, it tells us that this woman has nothing and has no one. She is completely powerless. She has nothing and no one. She is completely at the mercy of of the judge. She is in the most humble state that you could ever imagine. And she knows that. She knows who she is. And yet she boldly comes day after day in front of the judge. There is a bold humility that we need to grasp in regards to the heart of this widow when we're looking at this this passage, this parable. There's a bold humility Because you see, we have to look inward and we have to look at this persistent heart of the widow. We have to look at this persistent heart of the widow, but also this bold humility, recognizing who we are in the relationship to the one we are going to with our requests. In the relationship to God, we need to recognize who we are as we present our requests. And so we need to look inward. But after we look inward, we need to look upward. We look inward and then we look upward. Because there's another character in the story. There's the judge. And the judge plays the role of God in the story. The judge plays the role of God in the story. However, however, the judge is nothing like God. The judge is nothing like God. And we need to understand that. In fact, before we go into any comparisons of God and the judge, we first need to look at the contrast between God and the judge. The judge is unjust. The judge doesn't care about man, doesn't care about God, is only concerned about himself. In fact, when he finally grants the widow her request, it's motivated for selfish reasons. It's so that she doesn't cause him harm. That is not God. God is a just God. God is a loving God. He is a gracious God. He is not motivated by fear or ego. 
He is motivated by love. And we have to understand this contrast in order to accept the comparison. Because we don't come to an unjust judge, we come to a righteous judge. And let's keep that contrast as we move forward to the comparison as where we look and see how the judge and God are the same. Because here's how they're the same. Each one, both of them, have complete authority. They have complete authority. The only one in the story who could grant justice to the widow is the judge. But not only does the judge grant justice to the widow, he's the one who defines justice. The judge provides a definition for justice. It is his ruling that determines what is justice for her. And so all of the persistence of the widow, all of the requests that she makes, never transfers authority and roles are never swapped. The widow is still powerless. The judge is still the one with all of the authority. Why is that important? Why is that important? That's important because there are too many times when this parable is looked at and it is used as a platform to tell someone who has been praying to God for something that the reason they don't have what they're praying for is because they are not persistent enough. The reason that they don't have what they're, that what they're asking God for is because of something in regards to them. They look at the parable and they say, the problem is you. As if we could control God with our words and manipulate him. He still has all of the authority. We have no right to take that role. And I understand that especially on a day like Mother's Day, when we walk in and some of us walk in with with, with different hearts than others. And for some mothers, you have prayed for a child, a son or a daughter who has gone their own way and you've prayed day after day after day and have not received an answer. For some of you, you've prayed to become a mom and you have not received that answer. For some of you, you've prayed for your mom for that broken relationship and that just hasn't healed. For some of you, you've prayed for your mom who has a needed physical healing, but God did not heal her. And to come back and, and have someone come to you and point to this parable and say, the reason that didn't happen was because of something wrong with you. You didn't have the persistence that you needed is completely, absolutely wrong and false. That's not what this parable says. And so if you have ever been hurt by the church in that way, if someone has come to you and pointed to this parable and said, the reason you don't have what you What your desire, the reason you don't have what God is asking you is because of something wrong with you that you are not persistent enough. I want to say on behalf of the church, I am sorry. Because that is not okay. It's not okay. The authority of the judge is never transferred. It's never transferred. But don't forget the contrast. Don't forget the contrast. The judge we come to is a just judge. The judge we come to is a loving judge. 
The judge we come to is a gracious judge. The judge we come to wants us to come to him, wants us to present these requests to him over and over again, not fueled out of some evil desire, but fueled out of love and care for us, wants us and knows what we need better than we know. This does not mean, what I'm saying does not mean don't come with your request to God. No, yes, please do. Please come to your, with your request to God. He desires for you to come to him. But understand that the authority is still his. It is not yours. What else does the judge do? What else does the judge do? The judge vindicates the widow. The judge vindicates the widow, and God will vindicate his people who cry out to him day and night. And that's where we discover the point of the parable. That's where we discover the point of the parable. You see, we need to look inward and look at our own hearts and compare it to the widow and see if we have that persistence and that bold humility. And we need to look upward at a God who loves us more than we could possibly imagine and who has all of the authority. And then we need to look forward. We need to look forward. We need to look forward at Jesus. When Jesus is talking to the people about this parable, there is a double meaning to the parable. He is encouraging us to come with our requests and be persistent with our requests. He is encouraging us to do that. Yes, there is a double meaning. Yes, bring your requests to God. And if it is God's will, he will grant that request. Bring those requests. But don't miss the other meaning. The deeper meaning that we have to grasp for this parable is this. Jesus is actually speaking to his church. Jesus is talking to his church and asking them to show diligence and persistence in their faith until he returns. How do I know that? Because of the way the parable is sandwiched. Because of what is before and what is after it. Of how Luke sandwiched this parable. And Luke, if we were to go right before in chapter 17, you read this whole story. In, in verse 22, it says, Then he said to his disciples, The time is coming where you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but you will not see it. People will tell you, There he is, or here he is. Do not go running off after them, for the Son of Man in his day will be like the lightning which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Jesus is talking to these religious leaders who come to him and try to kind of test him and kind of trip him up. And they start talking to him like, when is this coming of, of the kingdom of God? When is this coming of the kingdom of God? And Jesus gives them two responses. The first is, it's already here. It's me. And you missed it. You're missing it. And then he says, but I will come back again. I will come back again. And no one will miss it. I will come back again and no one will miss it. But not everyone will be ready. Not everyone will be ready. And he begins to describe this, this catastrophic 
event of, of people not ready for his return. And, and what's, what's sobering is when you look at the reasons that people weren't ready, they're reasons of comfort. People were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying, they were uh, being given in marriage, they were uh, selling and planting and building and buying. These are all good things. But when we fill our lives to the point where there is no room for Jesus or the mission of Jesus, when he comes back, will he find a persistent faith? Because that's what he turns to. That's what he turns to later on. After he sets up this passage, and this passage, this parable, is not about giving up on God until he gives you what you desire. This passage is about not giving up on God until Jesus returns, not giving up on your faith. It is a perseverance of faith. Look how he ends it. Verse 8, I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. The vindication that comes from God comes from the Son of Man, from Jesus. I will tell you, they will get their vindication. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? This is all about the church persevering in their faith until Jesus comes back. Will the Son of Man find this faith when he returns? And my question is, will he? Will he? Will the church be this? Will we be this? Will we fill our lives with this persistent faith? Because Jesus links it to prayer. He says, always pray and not give up. They are linked. We are called to not lose heart and pray for the completion of the kingdom of God. This is the calling that we do in good times and bad times and all of the in-between times. In James chapter 1, verse 12, it says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who have loved him. That is the whole point of the parable. It is a call to always pray and never give up, to always pray and never give up on your faith, to always pray and never give up on the truth of who Jesus is and who God is, to always pray and to never, never Never give up. And it is this life of prayer that is this fuel that drives that persistent and persevering life. I've had the privilege of having examples of those, those kind of lives where they're just filled with prayer and they drive that persistent faith. I've had the privilege of having examples in my life of people like that. The second greatest example in my life the second greatest example of my life of this persistent faith is my grandmother. If you were to talk to myself or anyone in my family about my grandmother and ask for a description of her, the first word would be prayer. I mean, so much so to the point that when my mom talks about my grandmother, she says it's almost annoying And she's kind of exaggerating for a point because what would happen is my mom would go to her and, 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 and dump as a daughter to her mom and just tell her all of the things that are going on, all of these things that are, are, are burning her, all of these things that are bringing her angst, all of these things that are weighing down her heartbeat. And my grandmother's response would always be the same. Let's pray. 
Let's pray. And they would pray. And then my mom would want to kind of rehash it and dump again. And my grandmother would stop her and say, I've already prayed. I've already prayed. And what she didn't mean by that was, I've already prayed, so it's done. Like, I name it and claim it, or I prayed, so I'm definitely gonna, you're going to definitely get the answer. That's not what she meant. Because she's prayed prayers that were not answered the way that she wanted. When my grandfather had a stroke when I was in high school, she prayed for my grandfather to be healed, but he didn't. He ended up dying. She prayed for many things. What she meant was that when she comes to God with any heartache, desire, anything that is weighing down her heart, when she comes to God, she recognizes who the one is in authority, and she gives that person authority everything that she needs to lay at his feet, and not only lays lays that stuff at his feet, she lays herself at his feet. Because she knows That one day, this righteous judge, this righteous God, will vindicate her and his people. That's the life of prayer that my grandmother lived up until a month ago. When God took her home and allowed her to see the fruit of that persistent life, of that persistent faith. I told you that that was the second greatest example in my life. The greatest example of persistent faith in my life is my mother. My mother learned from her mother and became a woman of prayer, a woman of persistent faith herself. She wouldn't agree with me with this. She would deny it. She would say that she does not compare. I am where I am today because of the prayers of my mother. And she's in Quakertown today. And mom, I want to say happy Mother's Day and thank you for teaching me to pray and to never give up. Calvary Church, we need to look inward. We need to look at our hearts and see if we have that persistent faith with that bold humility. We need to look upward at a God who loves us beyond any imaginable amount that we can fathom who has complete authority. And then we need to look forward to the day that Jesus comes back, bringing about the completion of his kingdom when God will finally vindicate his people who cry out to him day and night. The point of this parable is to always pray and never give up. And so your homework as a church is this. For the next 30 days, I would like us as a church to pray for our church. For the next 30 days, as a church, let's pray for the people who need to walk through those doors and hear the gospel. Let's pray for the people who are hurting in our church and need to be reminded of the beauty of the gospel. Let's pray that lives are changed, that communities are changed, that we become that persistent faith church, that church that always prays and never gives up for 30 days as a church. Let's pray for our church.
Calvary Church, the whole point of this parable is to always pray and never, never give up. God, we thank you for your love. God, we thank you for your grace. And Lord, we come to you and recognize that you are an amazing God, a holy God, a righteous God, an all-powerful God. All authority is with you. And we pray for our church. We pray that you would open up those doors and that people would come in and that the gospel will change lives. We pray that our lives would be consumed with the beauty of the gospel that we cannot help but just radiate with it no matter where we go. We pray for the communities around us and we ask you that you would impact the communities around us with the beauty of the story of your son Jesus and that you would give us that persistent faith that we would be the faith you are looking for when you return. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.